Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, Minnesota's response to the victims of Guatemala's volcano eruption and Randy Shaver hosts a charity golf event for a good cause. But first... I hereby call this convention to order. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Last weekend's Republican and Democratic Party conventions, DFLers in particular, sparked a wild week in Minnesota politics, to say the least. Analysis in a few minutes, but first, MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap. Well, Scott, you know as well as anyone, because you were there, that it started at the DFL State Convention last weekend in Rochester with, of all things, the Attorney General's race. Gun control liberals in the DFL party reportedly had a role in challenger Matt Pelican's strong showing on the first ballot against sitting Attorney General Lori Swanson. This is a process that is great for a candidate like me. I've been to over 60 conventions. I have called every delegate here. I've made my case. I laid the groundwork. I was ready for anything to happen. It was not the outcome that Attorney General Swanson wanted, and in a stunning move that started political tongues wagging, she pulled out of the race for the DFL nomination for Attorney General. Up in Duluth at the GOP state convention, Republicans gleeful, AG endorsee Doug Wardlow telling the delegates Democrats chose someone even farther left than Lori Swanson. And it's hard to get farther left than Lori Swanson. They're going off the deep end. This opens up an even larger window of opportunity. We're going to take back the Attorney General's office for the rule of law and the Constitution. And that wasn't all. After seven ballots in Rochester not giving him a win, frontrunner Tim Walls withdrew from the endorsement for governor, saying he'd go on to the primary, and the DFL convention endorsed State Representative Aaron Murphy by acclamation. Fellow Democrats, this is no time for a tippy-toe kind of politics. It is time for us to stand up together for an honest and progressive vision for the people of Minnesota. Murphy named first-term State Representative Aaron May Quaid as her lieutenant governor running mate, prompting this comment from Jeff Johnson, who had won the GOP endorsement for governor in Duluth. It is the most left-wing ticket that the Democrats have ever endorsed, maybe back in the you know, Floyd B. Olson days <laughs> was more left-wing, but in my lifetime, it's the most left-wing ticket ever. Monday morning, one day after the closing gavel at the DFL convention. <laughs> Democratic Congressman Tim Walls at the Secretary of State's office in St. Paul, officially filing for governor, setting up a primary election battle. Walls steered clear of questions about whether the DFL-endorsed ticket of Aaron Murphy and Aaron May Quaid is too liberal and metrocentric saying critics will try to paint Democrats a certain way. The fact of the matter is, I did coach that football team to a state championship in greater Minnesota. I did serve this state for 24 years in uniform. I have lived and and understand what folks are out there, and we'll make our case to them. And that afternoon, Attorney General Lori Swanson, spurned at the DFL state convention, announced she's running for governor in the August primary. Her lieutenant governor running mate, retiring 8th District Congressman Rick Nolan. We got big problems uh, facing uh, the state of Minnesota, and we need all hands on deck. And both of us bring a history of problem solving and forward-looking solutions. I have worked on bread and butter issues as attorney general. We love it. You know, you know this, this is the American way. 
You know, it's not about little clubs meeting in small rooms. We want more candidates. We want more voters. We want more ideas. We want more noise. Former Governor Tim Pawlenty, who himself is mounting a primary challenge against Republican-endorsed candidate Jeff Johnson. Pawlenty called the positions of the now three Democrats in the race for governor extreme, naive, and dangerous. It does, you know, symbolize just how far out of the mainstream the Democratic Party has gone. They have really gone over the cliff. Dysfunction and dumpster fire, some of the terms Republicans used in reference to Democrats this week. While DFLers responded, it's simply the Democratic, small d, process in the party of the big tent. Governor Mark Dayton promptly threw his support behind DFL party-endorsed candidate for Governor Aaron Murphy, who said she's honored. We did tremendous work together to put Minnesota back together after... Uh, Governor Plenty uh, was in office and wrecked our budget and really hurt communities across the state. Well, the deadline for candidates to file for office was just two days after the party conventions, and the gyrations in the Democratic Party prompted a flurry of last-minute filings, unlike any in recent memory. I decided this morning that the right thing to do is is not seek comfort in, in security, to get out there and fight for consumers, particularly in a national environment where... People feel very vulnerable. Congressman Keith Ellison, forsaking another run for his 5th District U.S. House seat, jumped into the race for Attorney General, a void created when Lori Swanson announced she's running for governor. Ellison contends he was thinking about a run for AG all along. I would have been in the endorsing contest myself uh, if um, I had not heard directly from the Attorney General that she was running for her office again. Allison, not the only one who showed up to file as a candidate for Attorney General. Former Attorney General Mike Hatch threw his hat into the ring, but only temporarily until he saw who else jumped in. Representative Deborah Hillstrom, former Ramsey County Attorney Tom Foley, former State Commerce Commissioner Mike Rothman, also running in the Democratic primary for Attorney General. They're all challenging endorsed candidate Matt Pelican. And former State Senator Bob Lassard walked in, the iconic figure on game and fish issues, who has run as a Democrat, Republican, and Independent at various times in his long political career, this time filed as a Republican in the race for Attorney General. If I happen to get elected, if I don't, I don't. The world will go on. Sun will get up in the morning. Well, so much for the Attorney General's race for now. Keith Ellison jumping into the AG race also triggered a flood of Democrats running in the primary for his 5th Congressional District U.S. House seat. Former Minnesota House Speaker Margaret Anderson Kelleher, State Senator Patricia torres Ray, State Senator Bobby Joe Champion, Ellison's ex-wife Kim, plus State Representative Ilhan Omar, the first Somali-American state legislator in the nation, now running for Congress. I know what it feels like um, to send your kids into safety because I was that kid. I know what it means to go through our immigration system because I've done it, and I know what it means to stand up to bullies like Trump, um, and I am ready. Primary elections can sometimes be a ho-hum thing in Minnesota politics, but Scott, I do not think August 14th, 2018 will be like that at all. Bill, I think you're right about that. We'll have analysis from Carleton College political science professor Stephen Shear when Minnesota Matters returns. We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to love love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make them breakfast. Yep. 
I mean, just to maybe、um, play like a board game with me, or to just stay home and play、um, some video games with me. Just to do like that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today. Call eight seven seven four dad four one one or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. As we heard from Bill Werner, it was a whirlwind of a week for state politics. Here to help put things in perspective is Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear. We start off by talking about the significance of Keith Ellison's decision to run for attorney general. The fifth congressional district is the most democratic district in the state, so there will be a lot of candidates running to replace Keith Ellison in the U.S. House. There,、uh, Ellison clearly believes that being attorney general will give him more opportunities than being a member of the U.S. House. But he himself is going to face multiple opponents in the Democratic primary for attorney general. And how do you like his chances? Well, I think the more opponents he has, the better his chances. Because、uh, Minneapolis is a big voter base for Democrats, there will be a high turnout in Minneapolis on primary day because of all the candidates running in the primary to replace him in the U.S. House, and he may have multiple more obscure opponents who might be easy to defeat because they can't muster a lot of votes. The Republicans put out a, a news release saying that the Minnesota DFL is a party in complete disarray and that they are becoming the radical left socialist party. <laughs> so,、uh, Kyle, you want me to respond to that? You、right? know, well, the, what, how is this? Tell me a little bit about the narrative that's being、uh, that's、okay. being played here by the Republicans. Obviously, they're trying to clearly they're. Outright saying that they're basically Democrats or radical socialist party. Well, I think、uh, Republicans see a real opportunity here because they believe the state is trending in their direction. After all, Donald Trump did better in Minnesota than he did nationally, and they want to try and build on that trend.、Uh, they are facing less、uh, complex primary. Battles than the Democrats, and I think they believe that the Democrats will spend a lot of money and、uh, a lot of time、uh, in the primary, and that will give them a disadvantage going into the November election. So, how is how important is it that Democrats find some sense of unity between now and the primary in August? How much of an impact is that going to have on their chances of winning in November? Well, the key for all these Democratic primaries is the tone of competition in the primaries.、Uh, to the extent that Democrats really carve each other up, anyone who emerges as a primary victor is damaged goods. And so, if Democrats, on the other hand, are more polite and accepting of the primary result, it may not be a big disadvantage going into the November election. If we can take a look back for just a moment, obviously the Democratic endorsing convention was a rather contentious one, with Congressman Walls and State Auditor Otto calling for no endorsement and having a, a strategy to try to not have an endorsed candidate.、Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it seemed like it sort of divided the party there, at least temporarily. 
Well, I think there is a major divide within the Democratic Party now that threatens their prospects this year, and it is between the more conventional elected officials and the activists who run the caucuses and conventions. We've seen that uh, uh, established officials like Mike Freeman and Lori Swanson have not been endorsed by their conventions and instead are facing who are on their left in the Democratic primary. Uh, Democrats have to figure out a way to bridge these differences if they're going to do well in November. You mentioned Lori Swanson. Was her decision earlier this week to run for governor a surprise to you? Well, she was looking for an opportunity to run for governor, and she found an opportunity in the following way. Uh, She thought, I think, that her major opponent would be Tim Waltz. Tim Waltz did not get endorsed. Aaron Murphy, who is not really well-known statewide, was endorsed. Uh, Lori Swanson saw a real opportunity, given the fact that she has run statewide and won lots of votes three times. Is there anything else that's on your radar that I didn't cover that's something that you find interesting? Well, in the middle of all this is Tim Pawlenty, who is not even mentioning his endorsed opponent for governor, um, Jeff Johnson. Uh, Tim Pawlenty believes, I think, that he has some big advantages now that the Democrats will be spending so much time and money uh, on a primary contest while he tries to ride above it all and prepare himself for November. What do you think of the fact that the Democrats are already running against Pawlenty versus the endorsed Republican candidate? Well, um, <laughs> I think I think Democrats believe that uh, Tim Pawlenty is likely to win the primary, and so they want to weaken him as a candidate as much as possible. We'll find out where it all leads us in the months ahead. Thank you to my guest, Carleton College political science professor Stephen Shear. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This past Sunday in Guatemala, villages located on the slopes of the Fuego volcano were buried in volcanic ash and mud after it erupted. Shortly after, organizations from around the world responded, including Minnesota's God's Child Project, based in Golden Valley. Tasha Radel has more. Shortly after the volcano erupted, Patrick Atkinson, executive director of the God's Child Project, was booking a flight to Guatemala. Patrick, tell us a little bit about God's Child Project. Sure. Uh, The God's Child Project was founded in 1991. We're operating in Guatemala, El Salvador, India, Africa, and the United States. We have 5,000 orphan and abandoned children and 8,700 abandoned women, abandoned single or women, women, and their dependents for a a total population served of 13,700. We're working with um, schools, education, we, we have a very large anti-domestic abuse program, very large international human trafficking program, which is called the Institute for Tra- Trafficked, Exploited, and Missing Persons. That particular website is itemp.org, I-T-E-M-P.org. Uh, the the pro- focus of the program is education, keeping kids off the streets, um, well-being, you know, medical care, dental care, and, and developing the entire child. We, when we take in a child, we... we take them in until they're done studying. So as a result, we've taken in children, you know, having been in existence now for 27 years, we've taken in kids who have been seven years old, and 20 years later, they're still in our program finishing med school, finishing college. Um, It's a way of breaking generation cycles of poverty. 
And I know you folks, um, um, Patrick, you're currently in Guatemala helping with, um, as we know, uh, hundreds, uh, several hundred people have been evacuated as a result of the June 3rd eruption near Guatemala City. Can you tell us a little bit about your work there and, and, and uh, what you're seeing and hearing? Um, uh, yeah, on Sunday afternoon there was a there was a large sand blast, and it really was. It was it was, you know, the entire region was coated with about a quarter inch of a very heavy black volcanic sand, and then four hours later, uh, there was the pyroclastic cloud that just kind of came out of nowhere, and it came rolling down the side of the volcano. Um, the sixteen hundred degrees superheated gas burned everything along the way. You know, people saw the volcanic explosion at noon. And they saw the smoke puffing, and there were a lot of people standing outside, you know, watching it. But the pyroclastic cloud, when I came rolling down it, it set houses on fire. It burned people alive in the streets. It covered them with a heavy soot. Um, families were separated. The people who suffered first, second, third degree burns. A number of people were killed. What what the God's Child Project has done is we've we have a homeless shelter. One of our many programs is we have a homeless shelter called the Santa Madre Homeless Shelter here in Antigua, Guatemala which is about five or six miles from where, from where this pyroclastic cloud came into the valley. Um, we, we have repurposed that homeless shelter to be an urgent care medical shelter. So people are coming in there, sometimes in the back of pickup trucks or, or being dropped off by policemen, um, and they might have first, second-degree burns. Everybody's suffering respiratory de- uh, infections, including myself, and eye infections. And... Um, so we're providing at the at the homeless shelter uh, medical care, housing, uh, food, safety, blankets. A lot of these people are very traumatized. You know, uh, we 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 have one woman who came in last night. She lost nine children and her husband. She was the sole survivor for her for her family, and she was crying all night and very very highly traumatized. We do have full time psychologists on staff. She spent the entire night there. Um, there's a lot of children who are being separated from the families, or they, they were separated from the families, either because the family members are now dead or deceased or in the hospital. Um, but these children are extremely vulnerable for sexual exploitation, for being taken in, for being picked up by other groups, by other individuals, being put to work in bars as child prostitutes. So we have our legal department, our ITEMP program, anti-human trafficking people, out there, again, pulling these people in. The third front that we're working on is at our, we have a, a hospital called Casa Jackson Hospital for malnourished infants, which in good times has a bed capacity for 60 severely malnourished infants. And in, in times of crisis, we can go as high as 80 beds. Um, what we've done is we, we are down right now because of a couple of our kids had, had the measles. And so we don't take in new admissions. Well, we've put those two children with the measles in quarantine. The other kids we've gotten out of this area because the ash in the air is still very, very heavy and causing the respiratory diseases I mentioned. And the other cribs we have repurposed as, as, as beds for children who have been separated. Actually, Tasha, just as I'm saying this, there's tremendous rumbling from the volcano. Um, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but I can certainly hear it. Um, and uh, there's tremendous rumbling from the volcano going on, so there's still a lot of activity I'm there. So sad. Well, I know I'm about out of time, um, Pat, but um, obviously great work that you're doing there. And uh, for someone back here in Minnesota, um, how, how can we help you? A couple, couple big ways. A uh, couple big ways. 
if, if, if people have children's clothing, um, I'm bringing those down, and other volunteers will be bringing those down. You know, they can call us at 612-351-8020. Our website is godschild.org, which is perhaps the easiest way to remember it because they can contact us through there, godschild.org. We desperately need the donations because none of this was anticipated, and and the the, the sheer numbers of people who are coming in, the staff that are working, the volunteers that are working, the expenses. Right now what we're doing is I've told the people, cover the kids' expenses, cover the women's expenses, the transportation expenses of people nationally, get them the food, the blankets, the clothing, the medical care. We'll deal with the bills later, but we have to deal with those bills, and they can help with a donation to clothing. Thanks again to my guest, Patrick Atkinson, Executive Director of the God's Child Project. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Longtime CARE 11 news anchor Randy Shaver hosted his 20th annual charity golf outing in the Twin Cities earlier this week. MNN sports director Mike Grimm was part of the festivities and after the event was all done, sat down with Randy for Minnesota Matters. As we talk, Randy, it's Monday night. You've just completed your uh, two-day event, which raises all kinds of great money. I suppose a feeling of relief and great pride with uh, with these two days. Yeah, you know, it's an exhaustive effort. It's really a year-round effort to prepare for the Sunday night gala and then also the golf event on Monday. We have 67 groups of golfers that came out uh, today to play. Um, And you're always worried about the weather. That's the most important (laughs) thing. And the weather was perfect. So yeah, it's a, it, 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 it's a long process, but in the end, it's just, it's really satisfying. We're going to probably make over 340,000 for the two day event, which isn't the most we've ever made for this, but it's, it's up there. And when you add to that all the other things that we do that we're involved with, like Tackle Cancer, which raises it's raised $1.3 million in the last six years, and all the other things that we do, we'll probably be in the range of about 800000 next year. And that money goes to researchers at the University of Minnesota, Mayo Clinic, UMD, um, and then uh, just various patient aid projects that we support across the state of Minnesota. Meaningful for you because you have a story behind yeah. it, right? Yeah, this is my 20th year of being cancer-free. I was diagnosed the day after this tournament in 1998. And um, at that time, we were raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So how ironic is that? I'm diagnosed <laughs> with a thing that I'm raising money for. But, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I always tell people that if when they've been through the process, that when you get to the other side, 
that your life has changed. And for most people, they will tell you it's changed for the better. Their, their perspective on life is different. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point where you can make some real decisions about how you want to move forward and, and, and move it forward. And, you know, when it happened to me, my wife and I were already doing this. And so it just became that much more important. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been a real blessing. How much total? Do you know the number yet in terms of 20 years here doing yeah, what you're you know, doing? We're, we're, over about, we're over about 7 million. Uh, and a vast majority of that, to be honest with you, has gone to the University of Minnesota and, and the researchers there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a big number. When, when golfers come out today, and I've been in this now a couple of times, yeah. you've been kind enough to ask me, uh, the event itself is as good as you're going to be in, in, in well, terms of turnover. It was you, unbelievable. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, there's food on every hole. There's a drink on every hole. There's sponsors everywhere that are uh, providing some really cool stuff. So my question is, yeah. okay, somebody hears this on the radio, and they're like, hey, that's a cool event. I missed it this year. Um, I, you know, What do they need to do to look at it yeah. next year and say, hey, I want to be involved in one way, shape, or form, yeah. either golf or contribute or a sponsorship or what have you? I appreciate that. It's uh, you can go to randyshavercancerfund.org and uh, not only will you find places where you can volunteer or take part or whatever, but you can also see exactly where the money goes. And to me, Mike, that's the most important thing. You know, we are as transparent as you can be. We, we tell you exactly where the money goes, how much is given to each researcher, what that project's all about, whatever that patient aid project is, exactly what it is, what the money's been used for. And 92 cents of every dollar that we raise goes to the charity. Permit me a couple of questions about you personally, because I know in recent years you've gone from the sports desk to the news desk, the anchor desk. Yeah. Uh, Randy Shaver at CARE 11, how has that transition been? Are you enjoying the news, so to speak, yeah. side of it? You know, I kind of, there was a time when I was doing both news and sports on the weekends, believe it or not. Yeah. There, was a, <laughs> there was a stretch. Um, and I've always kind of dabbled in news even before I came to CARE. Um, I did news for a year in Austin, Minnesota. Um, I, you know, as you know, sports is a rat race. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It's it, because you're. It's like being a doctor. You're always on call, and you live on an island because the news department's not going to help you. It's the sports department's job to go chase all the stories or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that, at a certain point, I kind of got tired of it. You know, 29 years of doing, mm -hmm. doing that. You know, I, I was really hoping to find a change and I needed to change creatively for me too you know what I mean sure. I need I needed something to I don't know just to kind of change my thinking um, what I found is that I don't take work home with me anymore right. which is really awesome um, I love watching the Vikings on Sunday from my couch <laughs> that's really awesome right, right. Uh, gophers too um, so you know it's just it's a different thing I love doing news I love working with Julie I love covering the news of the day a lot of it's depressing i get it uh, but there's a lot of uplifting stuff too so it's uh, it's been a great transition uplifting today we appreciate all you do for the community yeah. in the state yeah thank you i appreciate it very much i'm glad you could come out and play it again today thank you yeah thanks that's mike grimm with randy shaver from care 11 again for more info on everything relating to shaver's charity foundation you can log on to randyshavercancerfund.org that's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.